Well, good morning, church. I'm glad to be with you and thankful that you've joined us for this uh, worship service. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. We're going to be talking about what do you do as a follower of Jesus Christ when the people in your life whom you care about do not encourage or support you in your walk with Jesus Christ. So grab your Bible, open it to Mark, chapter 6. About six years ago, the New York Times did a story on a, a man named uh, Yosef who grew up a Muslim in Afghanistan, and during all of the conflict there, he eventually got out of the country, made his way to Germany, spent some time in a refugee camp, and while he was there, became disillusioned with, with the Islamic faith, and he abandoned it to his family's uh, dismay. And, and uh, while there, he met, a, he met a, a missionary who started sharing with him about Jesus, and eventually he started going to... Uh, to worship services that were in his native Farsi language and after a while gave his life to Jesus Christ and he was discipled and he was baptized as a follower of the Lord and, and then eventually Germany deported him back to Afghanistan and uh, once he got back to his home country he had to go into hiding because of his faith in Jesus Christ. His family had sworn that they were going to kill him for abandoning Islam. And his brother-in-law went so far as to say that he was going to kill Joseph and he was going to kill his three-year-old son, whom he considered a bastard. And he offered the reporter for the New York Times uh, $20,000, listen to this, off offered her $20,000 if she would give him the location of Joseph so he, she could, he, could, he could track him down and she refused to do that. And so he's, he's hiding and his, his wife and his uh, child are hiding in Pakistan trying to stay safe. And, and Joseph said that even though his body in some ways feels like it's in prison, that his spirit, his spirit is free and his faith is not diminished. He's on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. And around the world today, there are countless Christians who are suffering, suffering persecution in some of the Islamic nations in China and other locations. Now, here in America, that seems a little bit odd to us because we don't experience that kind of persecution. The most we'll have is somebody laughing at us, somebody making fun of us, somebody not understanding us, maybe somebody really getting in our face aggressively. And uh, sometimes it's a family member, it's a friend, somebody you go to school with, somebody at work, a neighbor can come from a lot of different places. And so today, I want, I want to talk about what do you do when you face hostility towards your faith in Jesus? What do you do when the people in your life are not encouraging you? Maybe they're even trying to discourage you. They're trying to get you to give up on your faith. What, how, do you, how do you deal with that? We face those kind of uh, challenges. Our son, uh, Stephen, is married to a beautiful woman named Sarah. She grew up on Long Island, wasn't uh, a Christian. She and her family were nominal Catholics, if you will, Easter and Christmas-type Catholics. And when she was a teenager, she went to a, she went to a Christian camp. And uh, while she was there, she gave her life to Jesus. And when she got home, her family, especially her younger brother Billy, noticed that she had been radically transformed. She had a passion for Jesus. He knew it was the real deal. And in one, one way, he was drawn to that. He was attracted to it. But in another sense, he was uh, afraid of it. And he, and he resisted because he didn't understand it. And he wasn't always supportive of her. Eventually, Billy and Sarah both ended up at the University of South Carolina. While there, Sarah met our son Stephen. They fell in love, got married, and she's grown in her faith and very 
faithful in serving Jesus today. And, and Billy, in the early days of their courtship, attended church with us in Rock Hill. And he, 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 he was drawn to our music. He liked the people. But, man, I scared him. He didn't know what to make of me. He said, he said you were too much like a televangelist. He was not used to someone preaching and teaching the way that I do and we do in our churches. And, and so it scared him a little bit. And, and, and so he had this little bit of hesitation, this, 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 this question, this doubt. But in time, God got hold of his heart. And Billy became a follower of Jesus and was baptized at Shandon Baptist in Columbia. And so today, think about this. He and Sarah, now they're both Christians and their extended family. All those nominal Catholics uh, didn't know what to make of that. In fact, they used to say hurtful things to both of them. Things like, you really drank the Kool-Aid, didn't you? Referring to Jim Jones and his followers who committed suicide by drinking poison Kool-Aid years ago. And, uh, and so they said, it's, it's like you, you've joined a cult. We don't, we don't know you. We don't understand you. You, you really drank the Kool-Aid. And they would say other hurtful things, but, uh, but they stayed true to Jesus. And today, Billy is in ministry, and this summer he's going to be moving to Pittsburgh to plant a church, and we as a church family are going to be supporting him financially and with our prayers and in other ways. And so here in America, sometimes our family, our friends, our classmates, our co-workers, they just don't get us. They don't, they don't understand who we are when our lives become different because of Jesus, when we become you know, dedicated to Jesus and really love Jesus and, and study the Word of Christ. And so how do you deal with that? What, what, what do you do? And I want to say to you, be encouraged, because Jesus Christ himself experienced the same thing. You may be a wife whose husband doesn't understand you and support you. You may be a husband whose wife doesn't understand because you've changed so much. Maybe you're a teenager or an older child and your parents don't get your faith in Jesus. Maybe you feel like you're the only one in your family, the only one at work, the only one in your neighborhood, the only one on your team, the only one in your group that is following Jesus and the others don't get you. They don't listen. Jesus experienced the same thing from his family and from his hometown, his home community, and his home synagogue, or if you will, what for us would be home church. So in your Bible, in Mark chapter 6, I want us to read the first six verses, and then look at some of the things Jesus did, and learn from him so we can know how to deal with this issue ourselves when the people we care about, the people we love, do not support and encourage our walk with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in chapter 6 of Mark's gospel, verse 1, Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, which is Nazareth, where he grew up. And his disciples were with him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many listeners, these were neighbors and friends from his growing up years, if you will. They were astonished, saying, where did this man, where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him and such miracles as these performed at his hands? They, they had heard about miracles that he had performed in other places. They said, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and, and brother of, of James and Jose and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They took offense at him. They were offended by him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And he could do no miracles there, the Bible says, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And then this is a sad verse, but it's an interesting verse. It says that Jesus wondered at their unbelief, and he was going around the villages teaching. Now, real quickly, I want to share with you 
five or six things just practical things that jesus did that i think you and i need to do when we're in a context where not all the people there not all the people we care about not all the people we love are supporting our walk with jesus encouraging us and maybe there's even some who are hostile and trying to discourage us and get us to give up jesus had gone back to the town where he had lived for most of the 30 years of his life before he went to the jordan river to be baptized by john the baptist and began his public ministry so the people there were people who knew him they were his friends they were his neighbors maybe joseph before he died and jesus as carpenters had done some work for some of them so they knew him they knew his family and when he comes to the synagogue this is his home synagogue think about it is the the synagogue that he had gone to every sabbath all those years growing up all those years as a young man in his 20s and he's teaching and they're amazed it literally means they were flabbergasted at his wisdom and his insight and his teaching and they had heard about his miracles but rather than being you know uh, persuaded to to believe him and and follow him they were offended because they knew his life story they knew his family they knew who he had been he'd been a carpenter and they could not accept this jesus they could not, not accept someone who, who was this teacher, this preacher. They could not accept him as the Messiah, as the Son of God. He had changed so much in their eyes that they rejected him. They did not have faith in him, and they were offended by him. So what did he do? What do you and I do when the people we care about don't support us? Well, here they are. First thing, don't abandon don't abandon the people in your life just because they don't support you don't 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 walk away stay connected maintain a relationship with them in this story jesus visited his hometown nazareth but it wasn't was not the first time he had done that luke's gospel tells us he'd been there before so this is the second time jesus had intentionally gone back to his hometown to share and to preach to the people that he grew up around so, so don't, don't get mad. I mean, when our feelings get hurt, it's easy for us to become angry and to run away and, and to cut people out of our lives. I understand that. But I want to encourage you to not do that, to stay connected, to continue loving the people who are in your life, your family and your relatives and your neighbors and your co-workers. Stay connected. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about situations where there's physical abuse or sexual abuse, but I'm, I'm saying when there are people who just don't understand your walk with Jesus and they're not encouraging you and maybe they make fun of you from time to time, stay connected. Stay connected. Don't abandon them. That's what Jesus did and it's what we need to do because the only way we can influence them and, 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 and help them see the love of God is to stay connected to them. Number two, do what you can to love them and to serve them. It tells us in this story that uh, Jesus was not able to perform many miracles in his hometown because they, they did not believe. They didn't have faith. And yet he was able to lay hands on some who were sick and heal them. He did what he could in his hometown among those who did not believe and support him. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Do what you can. Be creative. Be inventive. Find a way to stay connected, a way to love, and a way to serve the people who don't support you in your walk with Jesus. My mom was a twin. Her sister was named Bunny Jean. And uh, they were not raised by their biological parents. Uh, they were raised by their grandparents. And, and twins are close anyway. But because of their story, they were really, really close. 
And mom's sister lived in, De in Detroit while we lived in Kentucky. And, and up there, she and her husband became devout followers of Jesus Christ. He became a deacon. And, uh, and when they would come to visit us, and, and they would do that every year, they'd spend one, two weeks with us in the summer. They'd come for a week at Christmas. And mom always was excited and loved to see Bunny come, and she'd always cry when she left. But she also said, mom said she, she always, uh, you know, dreaded when Bunny came because she knew Bonnie Jean was going to say something to her about Jesus. And she would just kind of grit her teeth and wait for it to happen and be over with. And once it was done, then she could relax. I remember one year, Bun sent mom and, and our family a, a gospel album. It was an album. This is back in the 60s, an, a record, if you will, of, of gospel music. And I was a little kid, didn't know Jesus, and I'd play that, and I enjoyed it. But mom, man, she was offended, and she had us wrap it back up and mail it back to her sister in Detroit. And so mom was resistant. But guess what Bonnie and her family did? They kept loving us. They kept serving us. They kept coming to be with us. They stayed connected to us. They didn't, they didn't get offended and run away. They stayed in touch with us and loved us. And uh, every time they would come to visit, they would invite us to go to church, even though we never went with them. But they always invited us. And eventually... Their influence carried the day. As my mom became a believer, later my dad became a believer, I became a believer. Our family now are believers, and so they carried the day. And their, and, and, and their, their children, Bun's three girls, our cousins, they're more than cousins. So here's what I want to say. When you have people in your life who are, that you care about, it's your family, it's your friends, it's your classmates, don't cut them out of your life because they don't understand your walk with Jesus. Don't cut them out because they laugh and make fun. Sometimes they're testing you to find out if you're the real deal or not. So stay connected and find ways to love and serve them. The third thing is it is okay. Listen, it is okay if you do not understand, if you don't understand why they don't support you. It's okay. You don't get it. You don't understand. Jesus didn't. In fact, this story tells us that Jesus wondered. He wondered. He was bewildered, if you will, at their lack of belief, their lack of faith. And th there are going to be times you and I look at people we care about and we say, why, why are you like that? Why do you talk to me that way? Why do you not understand me? Why do you not support me? Why do you not encourage me in my walk with Jesus in my faith? It's okay if we have those questions and don't understand. Because the truth is, they don't understand. It's new to them. It's different to them because they're lost and all they're doing is acting like a lost person. So it's okay to not understand. Here's the fourth thing that Jesus did and I want us to do is, is no matter what happens, no, no matter what the people in our life do, no matter how much they do or do not support us, you keep moving forward in God's call on your life. You don't ever give up. You don't ever quit because they don't support you, because they are hostile toward you, because they discourage you, they oppose you. You don't ever give, give up. You keep moving forward. In fact, this story tells us that after Jesus was in his hometown and he healed a few sick people and he was bewildered at their lack of belief, that he went to nearby villages and he taught them. He gave them the good news. And so Jesus did not allow what happened in his home community and with his family to discourage him and defeat him. He continued following the plan that the Father had for his life. And that is exactly what you and I need to do. Don't ever stop. Don't ever give up. Keep moving forward with God's call on our life. Many of you listening will remember 9-11. Uh, 
You remember where you were when you first heard about it. You remember the first time you saw the video of those planes flying into the, to the towers there in, in New York or, or the one that flew into the Pentagon uh, building in Washington, D.C. And when that plane flew into the Pentagon, killing 189 people on the plane and on the ground and causing part of that large facility to just crumble to the ground, outside nearby was a police officer named Isaac. And, and when, 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 when that happened, he started helping people who were staggering out of the crumbling building. And he, he carried some of them to safety. And then he decided it was time to go in and see who he could find inside the building somewhere. He, all he had was, a, you know, a, he didn't have a mask, he didn't have any protective gear, and he ran into that darkened building filled with smoke and fire and electricity and falling debris trying to find people. And uh, as he got inside, he couldn't see anything, but he started yelling. He started, call, uh, he started calling out, is anybody here? Is anybody here? And there were six people who had been in one office. And they were crawling through the debris, but it was so dark, they had lost any sense of direction, and they, they were feeling hopeless. And they, they heard him saying, is anybody here? And they got his attention, and he said, follow my voice. Follow my voice. And as they listened to him calling, they crawled toward him, and he was able to deliver them to safety. And, and, and I know sometimes it can feel like the world is crumbling around you when people you love and care about don't support you, especially when they're hostile, especially when they say mean things, especially when they, they, they try to get you to, to give up and, and they put things in your way. It can feel like the world is crumbling and like it's just dark. Listen, I want you to keep your eyes on Christ, and I want you to keep your ears attuned to His voice, and I want you to keep your heart in touch with His heart. You've heard the call of Jesus, the voice of Jesus in your life, calling you into a relationship with Him. You've heard Him calling you into service. You've heard Him calling you into ministry. You keep listening to His voice. Don't listen to all the voices around you. You may not follow those voices, but you're always going to follow His voice voice move forward in your life with the call that jesus has put on your heart even if nobody supports you even if nobody understands what god is doing in your life and then here's the fifth thing jesus did and that i want you and me to do and it's this just go out and change the world follow jesus follow that call go out and make a difference because as soon as jesus was going to those other villages after he had been in nazareth and he's going to these other villages teaching and preaching. He got his 12 disciples together, and he put them in groups of two, and he sent them out on a preaching mission. And they went out, and they shared the gospel, and they healed people, and they saw God, saw God do great miracles. You follow the call of God in your life, and you change the world. You make this a better place. You expand and grow the kingdom of God. You share the gospel. You fulfill the mission Jesus has given you, and make a difference in this world. Change the world. It's what Jesus did. It's what the disciples did, and it's what you and I are supposed to do, even if our family never gets it. But here's the sixth and final lesson, and this is the one I hope really encourages you. Eventually, eventually, some of them, some of the very people who are not supporting you will come around. They'll accept who you are, and some of them will eventually become followers of Jesus themselves. Because you see, in Nazareth, it wasn't just the neighbors, the people Jesus had grown up around who did not accept him. In the early days, his family didn't. 
In fact, there's a story in the Gospels of his mother and brothers visiting him in Capernaum, which was about a day's walk from Nazareth. Before this trip to Nazareth, we've been talking about this morning. They visited Jesus because they thought, thought he'd lost his mind. They thought he was crazy. And they had come to take him home. And so even his own brothers and his family did not support him. It wasn't just the neighbors. It was his own flesh and blood, if you will. But then you get later in the story, in the first chapter of the book of Acts, and Jesus has been crucified and buried and raised from the dead, and now he's ascended to the Father in heaven, and his followers are gathered in a, in a house, if you will, in Jerusalem, waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, and then they would go out and take the gospel to the world. And in that crowd of believers, waiting in that upper room when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, is Jesus' mother and his brothers. They eventually became believers and followers and, 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 and actually disciples and servants and evangelists for Jesus Christ. James, one of the brothers that was mentioned in this story in Mark, became the leader of the church in Jerusalem and in all likelihood wrote the book of James in our New Testament. His other brother Jude wrote the book of Jude in our New Testament. Eventually, they became followers and believers. I was encouraged by the, the faith of a, of a young man named Tulu who was born in Ethiopia with a disability that made, it, made him very physically weak and also created for him a, a learning disability, if you will. And uh, when he was 15 years old, he became a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, you have to understand, Tulu lived in a community that was mostly Islamic there in Ethiopia, and he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, so he's in a very small uh, minority and and what happened was when he when he became a believer god healed him and he started getting physically stronger and he started learning and he ended up being in what we would think of here in america as high school and um, he would study his bible and he would pray and he had a reputation for being so warm and so kind and so loving as he talked to these muslim friends and classmates about his relationship with jesus christ but one day some Muslim extremists attacked Tulu with a spear and, they, and it penetrated his, his skull, if you will, and he was in the hospital and eventually recovered. When he got out, he continued talking about Jesus. In those early days, there were only four believers in his area, but through Tulu's faithful witnessing for Jesus Christ, 50 people became followers of Jesus, including his parents. When he was 19 years old, now, listen to this. Four years after becoming a believer, when he was 19 years old, Tulu was attacked by one radical Muslim named Muhammad who had a machete and he swung it and he cut Tulu's throat and he bled to death. Muhammad was arrested, convicted, and put in prison. And later, some of Tulu's family members were put in prison as well. Persecution, if you will. But Two local leaders, two, two Christians, if you will, two leaders in that local church had permission to visit the prison where Muhammad and Tulu's family members were every week. And over the weeks and months, they developed a relationship with Muhammad. They talked to him. They didn't ostracize him. They reached out to him. They connected to him. They loved him. They served him. They talked with him. And eventually, Muhammad, the man who had killed Tulu, became a follower of Jesus Christ. And these two leaders in that church began discipling him and some other Muslims who had become believers in Jesus Christ. And, and two years after Tulu's murder, Muhammad and, and some other Islamic 
men who had become believers in that prison were escorted by prison officials to that local church, and they were baptized. And when they were baptized, each of them gave their own testimony. And Muhammad, who had killed Tulu, stood up and in his testimony wanted to make certain that all the prison officials and that everyone who was listening to him knew that he was being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the very God he had previously persecuted. He wanted there to be no doubt about who he was following. So what is my encouragement to you? If you're in a situation where your family or neighbors or classmates or teammates or whomever it happens to be are not, not encouraging you, they're not positive about your walk with Jesus, maybe some of them are hostile, some of them make fun of you, some of them try to discourage you, whatever your circumstance, here's what I want to encourage you. Keep following Jesus. Keep following Jesus. Change the world. Make a difference. Fulfill the call of God on your life. Stay connected to the people in your life. Love them. Serve them. Allow God to use you. But don't ever, ever take your eyes off Christ. Keep following Him. And there are some of you watching right now who need to renew your commitment to Jesus Christ because you've allowed the pressure of people not supporting you, whether it's a husband that doesn't support you or parents who don't support you. You've allowed the pressure of people not being with you and in your walk with Jesus Christ to cause you to, to back up, if you will, to, to give up, to, to fall back. And, and right now, there where you are, in your heart and mind, humble yourself before God, ask His forgiveness, and renew your commitment to Jesus Christ. There's somebody listening right now, and you've been thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus, but you've been so concerned about what others would think what others would say how others would react that you haven't done it and now you realize that in the end in the long term what they think doesn't matter what God thinks matters and what you think matters and you want to give your life to Jesus so sitting there on your couch or in your car or on your back porch right now will you humble your heart and in your heart and mind pray and commit your life to Jesus Christ and then whatever spiritual decision you make I want you to let me know about it so one of our pastors can follow up with you and help you. So text the word Jesus to the number that is on your screen right now, 803-310-4455. Follow the instructions that you'll be prompted, and uh, our pastors will be in touch with you. Let us know your decision, and, uh, and uh, we want to help you. Now, I also want you to stay, stay tuned because our, our executive pastor, Steve Pope, is going to tell you more about our in-person worship services that begin June 7. God bless you, and thank you for listening to this message today.